Hi, I'm your host, Tom DeSavia. Join me as I interview guests from music and entertainment from around the world about what they're up to right now. Stay tuned, because we're gone in 30 minutes. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Gone in 30 Minutes. And I'm really, really excited today because I'm uh, my guest today is Neil Francis. Hey, Neil. Hey, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So Neil is a guy who I just discovered uh, literally a few months right before the pandemic. A, a good buddy of mine, Mason Williams, who's one of the few people who can send me a text at like 1130 at night and say, listen to this, and I actually will sent me your record just as it came out and I flipped and immediately went on and went, he's playing, he's playing at the Regent and like, like next week. And we went out and we got a couple of tickets, came to the show and you just, you just knocked me on my ass, man. I thought it was a great show and I love your record. And I think everyone should be listening to your record. And I was really happy. You, you said you'd come on our little show and get tens more fans. Oh man. Those tens matter. But there's also a new record out, a brand new record, a pandemic record. I think you can see my ring light showing up in there. Changes the demo record, which has just been released, correct? I just got mine yes. in the mail the other day. Yes. We'll talk that, about that in a bit. But um, you're in Chicago. Yes, correct. You don't look miserably cold right now? No, man, I love it. I love, love it the, here. You love the cold or you're comfortable where you are? I love it any time of year here. I've been yeah. there in February. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it though. There's uh, Mr. Beef. Oh sure, yeah, man. One of my favorite posters, but the, um, I didn't expect you to say Mr. Beef. You're, then you're really not going to expect me to say. Hold, wait for it. Um, Chicago oven and pizza grinder. Oh yeah, uh, friend Brian Clark. Me. Yep. Oh man, and 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 it, it, there's something on the menu called pizza pot pie. Yeah. And I painted and came to and unique to that restaurant. Fantastic. So yeah, your food is fantastic, Mr. Beef. It's one of my favorite places I've ever been. And if you live here, you can't eat that every day, unfortunately. But or, oh, you can, but you won't live very long. It gets cold, but uh, I don't know. There's something about it, you know, other than like spending another 15 minutes putting clothes on in the morning. It's <laughs> it's one of the best cities. Yeah, yeah, man, it's great. Are you a native? Are you from? Uh, so, yeah, more or less. I, I was I'm there since I was six months old. Okay. And uh, my dad grew up there, grew up here as well. Let's focus on those first six months of your life. Yeah, man. Where were those? All downhill from there. Yeah, where where was that spent? Where were those first six months? Uh, New Jersey, just okay. outside New York City. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. you've, always had, you've always had decent Italian food all around you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Which is, which is a good foundation. I am Italian. I'm I was born. actually uh, from... Uh, where Sony Tony Soprano lived in Montclair, Fantastic. New Jersey, in the show. And that's where I'm from. And then your family was quickly, let's go to another mob-heavy part of the U.S. Yeah, exactly. Italian food. Yeah. Well, look, I to, to kind of jump right into it, um, this has been probably a really heavy year for you. I mean, it was you were ramping up, you're on the road, these shows are going great, and as all my guests have been, your world had to stop. Mm -hmm. Your world had to stop, but you have you been staying active in this? Oh, time? man. It's actually, honestly, um, it's been great. Um, you know, uh, there's been, you know, emotional ups and downs for sure. 
and the the whole world has experienced uh, a pause and just horrendous loss and upheaval. But um, I can say that from a personal standpoint, I've learned to do so many things and uh, I've created so much in this time and it's just been such a net positive experience. But I'm ready for it to end for sure. Well, and there's, that, <laughs> there's the light now at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I think that's really important. And that's sort of, you know, the the, the common denominator for everyone. And I, I always like to focus on that just to kind of make everyone feel a little less isolated because this is a global thing we're going through that everyone and for artists, it is a, you know, it, this sort of forced solitude is both hard, confusing and been really inspiring for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And were, you were just at the point where you're out promoting changes, which is your 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 first record on Karma Chief. And great, great record. Seriously, I want everyone who's watching to go listen. And then now you've you've signed a new deal and you're about to make a new record. So have you been writing? It's in the bag. It's being mixed right now. Oh, see, I didn't even yeah. know. So this is all, so you've made a pandemic record. Yeah. So With, what was On that machine behind me. Or the machines. So what what was the what was the were you planning to was this sort of in your schedule to have a record in this time like the touring obviously oh, got short. I don't know, man. I like we we were talking to labels when the pandemic came down, and yeah. then uh, that conversation continued. But it was like even before we inked. Uh, I'm I don't know if I'm really supposed to publicize any of this yet but anyway uh whatever uh we said we signed our new deal but before that even happened it was like in the early days of the quarantine i was just writing what would become the new record and i had some in the bag um which always helps you know save a couple in your back pocket right uh to for seed you know and then um you know by the time that we had the contract buttoned up i was like you know i knew the songs i wanted to record and we were just we had the flights booked for our producer to come out and um you know got everybody like rigorously we did tests and everything to make sure that we could all hang and uh yeah man it we we spent probably a total of like a month uh actually recording which is oh, wow. a more luxurious process than I've ever had. But um, I think the proof is in the pudding and it's on the tape. And, uh, you know, we did it front to back analog project um, uh, prior to mixing, that is. And then uh, I'm just really stoked about it. It's quite, yeah. quite different from changes in a lot of ways, but, uh, you know, I, I, I stand behind it for sure. Was the process of writing different for you in the, uh, like wh wh how do you normally write? I mean, is there a like, are you on the road and are you writing? Do you sit yourself down and sort of, are you a more disciplined writer? Like, do you have a process or does it just happen when it happens? Well, I'm trying to become more disciplined. You know, changes was one of those records where they say, you know, you get a lifetime to write your first right. record. Uh, I'd say it came together over probably three, four years. And that record feels old to me now. Um, it hasn't been out for two years yet. But 
uh, this record was I uh, the tape machine right there no. that the Otari <laughs> the eight track uh, for all you Otari eight track fans uh, that is kind of what enabled me to do this round of writing because I learned how to use that thing just like I didn't really record myself at all prior to this I would just I would play at the piano and write everything down and then I would just internalize it but now uh, my guitarist left that eight track here at the beginning of the quarantine and I bought a uh, 16 channel mix mixer mm. and I just figured it out he, he gave me like a literally a five minute tutorial he's like yeah this is you know you put stuff in here and hook it up and then you'll figure it out i was like oh shit uh, <laughs> i guess i will did it, and, did it change the way you write did it did it did it make song did it did it work on did it help you like on arrangements more was it less just a, a bare-boned arrangement when you were writing were you flushing out the songs more recording that way or was it it helped me communicate yeah what i was hearing because i i always have a pretty fleshed out idea in my head for the way i want things to sound even at an early stage and so now having the ability to record all my parts uh more or less you know how i'm envisioning things and then uh, having ringer musicians play those parts and add their own expertise and uh, uh craft to it yeah Right on. Well, going going backwards a little bit, you were saying you had, you had your whole life to write your first record. Tell me, tell me about your whole life, Neil. Um, <laughs> what I mean, what point did the uh, like? At, at what point did did you get bit? What point did you did you would you start out of did your parents make you play piano? Was it a record you found? What was the thing that 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 got the poison into your system? Well, George Bush was in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> and uh herbert walker bush that is no uh so there was a piano in my house growing up it's actually right over here um right. and uh probably i think when i was like two or three i started messing around just like hitting it and by the time i was four my parents got me lessons my mom played a little piano and um she played in orchestra as well in high school so she she knew how to play a little bit. And my dad is just a great lover of music. And he worked for jam productions here in Chicago back in the 70s. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's his fault kind of that I got the rock and roll bug, you know, and, uh, you know, showing me like Tommy, the movie Tommy, when I was like seven years old and like the last waltz and which, I was just like, have you ever been able to have baked beans again? And no, well, that's a whole other podcast. But anyway, go ahead. Fantastic, but dude, <laughs> I mean, it was just like I, I kind, I was like, wow, like people do this, right. you know? And um, you know, he had a great record collection, and there was always music in the house, and it's very eclectic, you know, from classical to jazz to rock and roll to soul and funk and um you know i was just i had a great musical education and then eventually you know by the time i was like uh 11 i was taking lessons with like a proper like boogie woogie blues pianist 
because up to that point i had like taught myself popular styles and mm-hmm. then he was like all right sit down i'm gonna make you a cassette tape with like ray charles and mead lux lewis and everything in between you know just mm-hmm. like great piano players i was booker I read somewhere too. Uh, it, again, this was somewhere in the last year. I was reading something about you. You were a you were a big uh, like ragtime kid, weren't you? Yeah, man. For right sure. On. It was funny because I remember I, as a kid, there's an audio tape somewhere uh, proving that we're each on the right side of the business because I have absolutely no discernible talent whatsoever. <laughs> anything. Like I mean, yeah, can't cook, can't play music. And there's actually a recording somewhere of me at about like six years old. And they're saying like, you know, sing, sing the song from the sting. And I'm, I, whatever comes out of my mouth sounds nothing. Yeah. <laughs> completely unidentifiable by the sting. So I'd, I'd like to think we were both sort of based in ragtime, but you actually um, emerged successfully from it. And I drank. I love that movie. I was like, great. Smitten by that movie when I was a little kid, just like, and it was supposed to be set in chicago too which was like an added bonus but um and yeah man the music really threw me through a loop and the big finale scene in the movie at the yeah cell, which i won't give it away is actually at santa monica pier here in los angeles oh so, is that where they shot it cool nice. so as a kid that was the same thing it was like i've been there because that was right the, the carousel one too because i grew up in an age when carousels were a big thing we didn't have your your nintendo switch yet <laughs> Neither did I, man. I'm not that young. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was I was put on a I was put on kind of a terrifying looking horse, and and with hopes that I wouldn't get seasick. Um, what? So who were like? Who did you? Were you just a, like a Ray Charles kid growing up? Was that stuff really sinking in then? Oh yeah, man. I mean, as soon as I like when I was eight. So, like my dad or my mom for Christmas gave me like a sampler or a CD. It was a weird compilation CD from Rhino and they had probably acquired all the Atlantic stuff. And I didn't know any of that at the time, but like, you know, it had like Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, Sly and the Family Stone, um, like on up through like, there was like a Curtis Blow song on there too. Yeah. It was weird, man. But it was like a retrospective of the genre soul, right? In like sixteen tracks or something ridiculous. But I would just listen to that on repeat. And what I didn't realize was like I was getting kind of like a, you know, three decade, like snapshot of you know, black music in right. America. And so, like, I fell in love with the Ray Charles stuff in particular when I started taking lessons with Erwin, who is my piano teacher. And he, like, showed me, like, the deep, the deep cuts, you know. He had, like, a wall full of vinyl. And he'd always, he'd always, um, you know, compile a cassette for me to take home and uh, just learn those licks, man. I love it. Well, that's yeah. what I, one of the things I loved. And I really did when I, when I said earlier. I really became an unabashed fan of yours. And it's so nice when that happens. I mean, I think for all of us, for, you know, any of us, when we see a movie we love, when we hear a musician we like, when we read a book, we like, and it, it always kind of happens by accident. And there was that thing when I was at the show and what I, what I just loved about it is there was, there's nothing about the show that was, that was nostalgic, but, and this is the way it is with most of my favorite artists, but you can sort of get a sense of the DNA. Mm. And your band 
was just monstrous. And is is, is that like is will that be a touring band or did I just see a one incarnation of one at the time? You had a great horn section. You had a great. I mean, it was you went out with it was a full. You went out with a pretty big band. I can't imagine you made that much money on that tour. The region. Oh well, yeah, we didn't make anything, but that was that was fun. That was with the Black Pumas. Uh, so yeah, we. Uh, you know, we were prepared to. Am I allowed to swear on this program? I don't need to. Yeah. Anyway, we, we were prepared. We were prepared to eat a shit sandwich for the first couple of years, uh, uh, and uh, we hired some LA guys, my buddies Alex, um, and I think uh, Jeremy was a trumpet player on that. But anyway, um, yeah, those those guys, uh, the the rhythm section. The drummer and the bass player were uh, from a band called Orgone, also an LA-based band. Okay. And uh, the guitarist is in my regular band. But we got a crack team. Cool. Um, after after that tour was when we were able to like really lock the guys in because we had such a Cinderella year booked. We were like, all right, right, hop on board. And then of course everything grind it to a halt but we've been in the shed it's it sounding awesome right on well yeah. it was it was one of those like I said and i know um you know there's a it was it was a classic sort of you know gig moment where you know the audience a lot of the audience was obviously there to see the pumas yeah was, for sure you know it was it was, it was their big hometown show or not hometown show the big la show and um it was one of those things one song in the crowd started to move a little closer a little closer for you for you until finally the floor was packed mm-hmm. and you'd, you know, you'd, you'd won over the crowd. I mean, it was, it was well done lad. Thanks Tom. I mean, you know, there's a lot of situations we had where, and I'm sure there will be situations where we're playing to 10 people and we got to win over the 10 people in that room who may not know who the hell we are and just, you know, well, you can sense that. And as, as a, as a, you know, a cat that sees a lot of shows, I mean, it's seriously, when you go there and there's, you could tell the band's either intimidated by the by another band's crowd or the lack of people that have hit the floor. You sort of you, you can feel that too from the audience, and you could feel when it's like, "Hey, not really give a shit," or "Oh, we can't wait for the show to be over." And then when you could feel the band really kind of going for it, you can't help but get caught up in the infectiousness of that. So you passed. You passed that test with a guy that didn't sign you, or <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's hard to get California people to give a shit about Chicago music. So, well, it's hard to get California people to do anything with any sort of. Rhythm. <laughs> That's a whole other. And I love California. We, we we have a lot of love in LA and and California in general. I'm so stoked about that. It's such a beautiful yeah. place. Well, I remember. Yeah, you were playing two shows when I when I stumbled on you through my buddy Mason. Like I said, I remember you were playing two shows right around the same time. One was completely sold out. And we just sort of got in under the gun to get these region tickets. And so, yeah, I cannot wait to see it again now that I know all the songs and everything. Oh, yeah, man. It's going to be good. So one of the other things you've been occupying your time with, I think you only have one app now, but you started your own podcast called, wait, 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 I wrote it down. Hey, it's Neil Francis. True. With the best opening graphics since Different Strokes. Oh, well, thank you, man. You know, yeah. we actually took the font from All in the Family. There you Uh, go. Perfect. Hey, but you know what? Okay, so... (laughs) It's like I'm trying to do like kind of a a riff on a variety show, late night television kind of right. thing, and I'm really bad at it. But we're we're doing our second episode tomorrow, 
and I've got a bunch of new content never heard, never before heard or seen. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, try and keep a sense of humor about it. And I've just seen too many guys in front of a webcam with a guitar. I'm not trying to take a shit on that, but just like I, I love, didn't want to be that it. guy. I liked it, and I saw. Um, and I don't think I even realized Phil was your agent, and he's gonna yeah, be man. Guy. I've he's, known he's, Phil for a long, long time. We finally spelled his name right. Uh, yeah, I can't, I, I've known him for twenty years. I can't pronounce it. So <laughs> he's a Phil good guy. Eaton. He's a very good guy. I like Phil. We're gonna get and, an extended and, dose of Phil tomorrow. And you do a uh, on the first episode, you do a killer cover of "She's Gone." Oh, thanks, man. That's a Which hard song to sing. Man, you want to know? I, 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 I mean, I don't ever know if this is inappropriate and if this is indelicate, but can I tell you of another cover of that song that just is killer? Of course, yeah. Or is that like kind of saying like, is that sort of an insult? Like, hey, you're no. covering you another cover. Okay, check it out. Yeah, yeah, check out Lou Rawls' cover of that song. Oh, I love Lou Rawls, man. It is badass. It's on this great record, which in fact I might have a copy. I'll send it to you. Whenever I find it, I buy it. It's just on this weird, obscure like. It came out the same year as the Hollow Notes version, and the album's called She's Gone, and it's sort of got Lou sitting in a chair, kind of, I think, by a fire, just kind of reading a letter from, from she. He's from Chicago, and, too. He is a Chicago guy. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Also, He's the, got the best voice in the biz, man. The, also, the best uh, version of Little Drummer Boy you will ever hear oh, yeah. <laughs> in your life. Killer, probably the best Christmas song ever recorded by anyone. Dude, I got to check that out immediately. I wish we had heard it before we cut that. Check his version of She's Gone. It's It's got to be on the YouTube machine somewhere, but it is fantastic. I will. I will. So, um, it, yeah, I mean, a, a, a record of covers has to be somewhere in your offing. Which, uh, Man, I would love to do that. We've got probably one like on the 8-track already just from all the live streaming we've done. We, we cut all the live streams to right. tape and then edited them on the computer and now we have two vhs cameras so you know really so you're going you're going moving into the loud. 80s in like terms it. of our technological advancement <laughs> what is what's the cover song that we'd least expect you to cover man i had a really good one the other day that i was thinking about Maybe Oh Yeah by Yellow. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> I don't think I'm actually going to do that. Do it. That's kind of a joke around here. We just kind of cue that up. What's your favorite one? Do you have a, do you have a warm-up? For, for uh, when we're just playing yeah. around? Just when you're playing around, when you're sand checking, is there a song that you, is there a go-to? Well, we were playing Strawberry Letter 23 a lot. Uh, and then... Uh, Lately, we've been covering, we've, we've been doing this thing called Groove School, where we're just kind of like, when we're having rehearsals, we choose a groove uh, off of this long Spotify playlist. We hit a, a tune called Handle It by The Silvers, uh, which is just like a monster funk groove. Um, we did like Alice in My Fantasies by Funkadelic. Um some sly stuff. I mean, we're just we're just trying to like get the band tight, and then of course the new record. We're just figuring out how to get that slam as a four piece. Right. So like when we add players, it's gonna just really be the icing on the cake, you know. Right and I know, like I said, we're, we're we're being sort of vague to let let there be a proper release. But is there is there uh, is it safe to say 
uh, a time frame in which we could look for the new album? Is that been said, or is that still to be determined? I feel like it's going to be late 21, early cool. 22, just right. so we can be sure that we're able to tour the record old school, you right. know, but I don't know. Right on. Who are your, the gods. Who, are your, who are your top five, like, who are your idols? Who do you love? Music. Uh, anyone. Give me anyone. Anyway. Alan Toussaint. Oh, yes. Uh, David Bowie. Been really into Todd Rundgren lately. Um, Stevie, of course. Sly Stone. Uh, Billy Preston is probably like one of my favorite organ players. I don't know, man. I could I could do this for hours. Really, favorite record of all time. If you had just one, I know it's a tough one. But you're, I'm literally, you're, you're being ushered out right now, never to return to your collection. You could grab one record, and you got to go now. There's a riot going on. Wow. Okay. Good yeah. one. Right on. See, that was quick and decisive. That was my... the first one that popped into my head. That's good. <laughs> or maybe Tommy, or Exile, or like you know, songs in the key of life. I mean, that that uh, Tommy was something I saw really early on, and it was a film that just freaked me out, and I loved it. But I was like, I had no idea what was happening. No yeah. idea what was happening. But it was, and again, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. There's <laughs> a Margaret scene that will confuse every. Every young man ever. We're past the statute of limitations on spoilers, but like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been like four. Talk years. about movies that probably wouldn't get made today, but uh, <laughs> it's awesome. My favorite scene, though, in a movie ever, music scene ever, is the, uh, the last waltz mm -hmm. and the band and the staples doing, doing the wait. Oh, hell yeah, man. Which is the greatest film performance from anyone ever. We're out of lockdown when the apocalypse is lifted. What's the first thing you're, you're planning on doing? Do you got one? Mm. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm just going to make out with Uber drivers and get them to drive me. No, get a, yeah, I'm going to go lick all the doorknobs at there Walmart. You're going to lick all the doorknobs at the Walmart? Yeah. That, do you have a title for the album yet? It's my last album. Okay, I was just saying, lick all the, lick all the doorknobs <laughs> at the Walmart, I think. is. <laughs> uh, the album... Working title is Sentimental Garbage. I like it. So Excellent. Excellent. And are you, um, is the planner where you kick off a hometown gig? Is that going to be the first thing that will probably happen? No, I think we're going to play in like, I think the next gig we're doing is uh, like in Iowa or something. We, we already got some on the books though, which is great. Nice. You know? Excellent. We're going to we're going to kick off next year with some awesome gigs. Have you been did you, I don't even know had you been overseas yet? Have you had the chance to do it? I no, mean, we were like we were really close and dang, I'm really glad we didn't make it over there cuz we would have been in the hole, man, coming back from that one. Right, cuz you were you were it was close. <laughs> you were sat, were you going to Australia and the UK? Not or? Australia. We had a Japan gig booked. Okay. Um yeah. I don't know, man. Last last year was going to be crazy, so that was hard to see all that go away. But like I said, I think uh, what the universe had planned for us was better than anything that we could have planned for ourselves. So, right on. Well, man, I want to ask you a couple other questions, and we're gonna we're gonna say our goodbyes to our to our, to our lovely audience. But why don't you give us, since we're all in lockdown, if you do it sort of in that the same way you picked your album, give us all a movie, an album. And a book to read. There's something okay. everyone can read. Can you do that? 
yeah movie um let's see i just watched minari which is a uh won the uh, golden globe for uh best foreign film oh okay i really enjoyed that but uh let's see i watched uh i watched space odyssey 2001 a space odyssey in 70 millimeter on like the one day the theater was open in chicago nice. in july they like opened it up and then they're like nope and then they closed it down but i got to see uh 2001 and 70 millimeter that's my favorite movie and uh an album i'm really uh uh how about betty davis's first record um self-titled greg erico from sly stone produced that and uh book man i'm reading so many books right now none of them are really like I read uh, the best one I read off quarantine was actually um, the one that hit me it was probably uh, "Go Tell It on Go Tell It on the Mountain" by James Baldwin. I thought that oh, was awesome. You know what you would probably dig? I, it was the first book I read as we we're going into quarantine, and I kind of forgot how to read, and so it took a while. But it was the last book I read before I got myself to read again. It was called "The Lot." It's either "The Long Goodbye" or "The Last Goodbye." Hmm. And it's about uh, 70s LA and basically the making of um, Chinatown. Oh, word. I love great, that movie. Great book. Great book. Highly I'll recommend. check that out. I wanted to thank Brendan before he left. Your manager, Brendan, reached out to me at some point. I don't remember how we connected, but it's because of him I got you on the show. And I uh, just want to give him a shout out. And thanks for him put, putting this together. And seriously, man, it's, it's great to meet you, brother. I really am a fan. And I really... Um, Hope we get a bunch more people to to tune into your to to your jams, man. You yeah, man. We'll see you at the Troubadour next year. You're good at your job, and I will see you there. It's my favorite place to see a show. One Hell yeah, man! Job. It's great. A lot of good ghosts in that room. Yeah, I feel that. Right on. All right, uh, everyone. Thanks again for joining us. Say goodbye, Neil. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Tom. Right on. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you, manager. Thank you, Brendan. Yes. Yeah. Right on. He All knows right, I love him. All right. We'll see you next time. All right, see you. This show was presented by Craft Recordings. Thanks for joining us for Gone in 30 Minutes, produced by Laura Saez. I'm your host, Tom, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>